WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. On Monday, Charlotte City Council expected to start up a new term. Leaders getting ready to start their first full two-year term in years after delayed census data cut the previous term down to just a single year. In a moment, you'll hear from Victoria Watlington about her new role in council. But first, Tark Vicari winning his district in South Charlotte by just 300 votes. The Republican pulling out a win in an increasingly Democratic district. Joining us now is Charlotte City Councilman Tark Vicari. Councilman, welcome back to Flashpoint. It's been a bit. It has. Glad to be here. All right, so uh, were you surprised by how close your race was, even though it was close just a year ago? No, I, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, and, I, and I actually spent several months leading up to that trying to convince everyone also to not be surprised because at the end of the day, this was a Biden plus 21 district in its form that currently exists. And I just ran in on the same ballot um, that I was on uh, this election cycle. Um, uh, Mayor Vi Lyles won it by uh, plus 30.5 points. So this is not this Republican stronghold that people thought it was. In, in fact, it's the exact opposite. So I knew it was going to take a, a, a pretty large effort and some deep focus um, to be able to, to pull it out and keep it in Republicans' hands for a little bit longer. Yeah, you are one of two Republicans on city council. Uh, do you believe it is inevitable that District 6 at some point, and there's been a long line of Republicans before you, I think Kenny Smith, Andy Doolin, do you think eventually it is going to go Democrat? If the trends continue, there's no doubt. I mean, that the, the fact that it hasn't already is probably a little bit head scratching. Um, but I, I don't give up hope to say that's ultimately the inevitable. I mean, it's a mixture of the bluing of the, the county, which is occurring, but also the, you know, there's a lot of things that there's a that people are very frustrated by. And, and, and really when you see that, you know, the, in any room in Charlotte of 10 people, there's about two or less that are kind of making the municipal decisions of who gets elected for everyone. That moment when when regular good people wake up and say, wait a minute, like what's going on with crime or officer morale or aggressive panhandling or homelessness or roads? You know, it, there's a moment where they'll snap into it. And I just hope that moment isn't too late. And they'll start demanding this stuff. And once they realize that maybe the, some of the people they're sending up aren't equipped to be able to solve it, they'll put the people in there and it won't be based on R or D. It'll be on who's actually going to get the job done. Uh, as we start a new council on Monday, um, what are what are some of your priorities? Yeah, I mean, I I, I just kind of uh, listed them off a second ago, but to go uh, one level deeper, you know, the number one thing to me is crime right now. And it was really shocking to me because, you know, I've always over the years I've been on with you and, and we've known each other. You know, I've, it's been a proud thing for me to represent and, and be a champion for our police officers and our first responders. Crime is always something that I thought we never quite had a handle on. But it, this process has been eye-opening. People got angry with me on the other side of the aisle and in other leadership positions that I was saying crime was out of control. And I was like, I, I didn't understand. They were like, you're fear-mongering. I was like, no, I'm, I'm calling out the thing I'm hearing from all of my constituents, almost all of them, that, yeah, cr crime is, is bad. So there's this cherry picking of stats and kind of, you know, trying to declare that all is well when maybe violent crimes are slightly down in some cases, but still unacceptable. 
these like property crimes and all of these other items are substantially up and they touch far more lives than anything else. So my, my first priority is to go back and attack that head on. And that includes officer morale and building that up. That includes having the ordinances on the books, working with the DA and a, and a lot of other things, but it it's, isn't just going to be crime if, if for the next two years. It also has to include a, a real hard yet empathetic look at homelessness and aggressive panhandling. We've got to figure out how to handle our transportation issues because silver line and the, the old dead light rail plan of the past just isn't going to get done. So we've got a lot to do. I'm going to try to pick and choose a few things, but crime and officer morale is going to stay at the very top. I'm going to touch on some of the things you just mentioned. Um, this week, Charlotte City Council giving final approval to have National Express Transit uh, as the new contractor for CATS. Um, realize that's just one component of a, a much larger issue going on at the agency. But are you starting to have a renewed confidence in CATS, uh, to use a driving metaphor? Do you believe that the agency has, has turned a corner? Yes, they are heading down the tracks, Ben, I'll tell you. I feel that, um, to return the pun. So, yes, uh, is, is the quick answer to that. And I'll tell you, that while I can say that quickly, it was a long time in the making to get me to be able to, to do that. And you'll recall, I was the canary in the coal mine for over a year after I had lost confidence in John Lewis, the CEO. I was raising the red flag to everyone saying something is wrong here, very wrong in cats. And then lo and behold, um, after an immense effort um, and now getting him out, getting Brent Cagle in there and then doing a complete overhaul after all we've seen, it is not perfect by any stretch, but folks will tell me behind the scenes now, you know, you were right. And, and man, did we need to really pay attention? So that's, that's kind of like setting the foundation and then we can build the broader structure of cats on top of that. But in order to, to do what's next, right. Which is design that transformational investment in our transportation system. We had to do it on a solid foundation of cats. And that brings me to the red line. Norfolk Southern has showed a renewed interest in sharing its track. That is a game changer, not only for the red line, the northern Mecklenburg, but also for the entire mobility plan, because that was holding up a lot of the other things. Um, are, are you optimistic about it? Well, yeah, but I, I just find it funny how like everyone like I, you're saying the exact same thing everyone else is saying. The, the, what, I, what I have been working on and seeing, though, for the last 10 years is the red line was always achievable. It was always achievable. But there were the political, you know, forces that be that made commitments and pandered the silver line to everyone. And the red line was just kind of a thing that they got a tax passed a long time ago. And the minute a headwind came up from Norfolk Southern, some claimed from NC Railroad, others claimed they were like, oh, it's impossible. We can't do it. It was never impossible. It was just a little challenging. And everyone completely gave up on trying to figure it out. So now massive organization uh, uh, Norfolk Southern is saying, you know, yeah, maybe there is a light at the end of the tunnel here. And uh, and I and I, I think that's good news because it's another tool in the tool belt. But we have to redesign the entire plan. The red line could be part of that. But things like the silver line simply will not unless we invent a new form of money. And, and do you have I mean, you have the ear of Republicans in Raleigh. Um, do you see anything changing with them when it comes to this mobility plan? Because they, as you know, expressed a, a certain skepticism of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, if um, if the plan stays exactly the same as it has been and a new coat of paint has been slapped on it every three or four years, there is it's dead on arrival still. The General Assembly is going to do nothing with it. But 
if there's a combination of things that happen that starts with a an overhaul to a roads first plan and there are plenty of things we can do with our roads that will drastically impact uh congestion um from smart light technologies to how we design the grid to all of those things but then add on things like the red line potentially even the silver line west to the airport where it's it's a mixture of transit modes but it is a roads first strategy i i believe in my conversations with everyone up there that not only is it possible that then they would support it there's potentially state money that could come along with it but the point is everyone still refuses here locally to admit that the silver line is dead and 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 that's because they've pandered for too long to get elected because of it i think we all saw the pictures out of charlotte douglas last week during the thanksgiving holiday that looked absolutely miserable um and, and you got to have some other ways whether it be just roads but also other transit of getting in and out of that place because by all accounts it was an absolute mess all right yeah Tark Pakari um getting reinstated not reinstated but sort of taking on a, a new term there at city council starting this next week uh best of luck with that and come back to flashpoint anytime Tark thank you we'll do see you in a few years Ben <laughs> all right. not a few years I'm sure it'll be sooner than that all right more flashpoint after this with your help WCNC Charlotte is making a difference in our community. Beautiful day, so many people helping. This is incredible. Let's spread that love tonight. Here is a $5,000 check that you guys wow. can use to further the mission. There is nothing on earth like the feeling of giving back with your hands. $5,000 to you and uh, Block Love Charlotte for what you guys do. If you'd like to make a difference, go to WCNC.com slash make a difference now. Wake up to the news that matters most with meteorologist and traffic reporter Chris Mulcahy. And we're all clear. We're keeping you smarter, safer, and on time. Start your day the Mulcahy way. See the difference. 430 to 7 on WCNC Charlotte. When it comes to WCNC's chief meteorologist Brad Panovich, our viewers tell the whole story. Hey, if you're new to the area, this meteorologist is awesome. I always stick with Brad Panovich when it comes to severe weather. He's rarely wrong. You should follow Brad if you don't already. He's usually right on the money with his forecast. I don't look at anything else besides what Brad says. We are fortunate to have him here. Brad Panovich, experience the difference with WCNC Charlotte weather. The new and improved WCNC Plus, now on Roku and Fire TV. Watch local live newscasts, get extended breaking news coverage, and see local programs and specials. The new and improved WCNC Plus, now on Roku and Fire TV. When I think about the community, I think about the time that I've been here. I've been in this community almost my entire adult life. So I, I, you, know, you get to know the people. When you know what they care about, then that's what you care about. This community looks at all of us who do weather here at WCNC Charlotte as part of their family. And uh, when you're part of their family, you wanna make sure you do it just for them. At WCNC Charlotte, we believe it is crucial to make a difference in our communities. That's why we go beyond just reporting the news. We ask, where's the money to hold the powerful accountable and get money back into your pockets? Our verified team takes claims, finds sources, and gets you answers. And we're keeping you weather aware, making you safer and smarter. I'm Vanessa Rufus. And I'm Colin Mayfield. Join us weeknights at 5, 6, and 11 and see the difference for yourself. Only on WCNC Charlotte. 
Welcome back to Flashpoint. Charlotte City Councilmember Victoria Watlington getting ready to lead the city in a new role on Monday. She'll be sworn in as an at-large member after previously representing District 3. And now, now she's vying to win over her fellow council members for another title. Joining us now is Charlotte City Councilwoman Victoria Watlington. Victoria, welcome back to Flashpoint. We appreciate it. Thank you. Glad to have glad to be here. So um, come Monday, you're, you're kind of getting a promotion from District 3 council member. Now you'll be serving at large, which for the folks at home, that means you'll be representing the whole city on council. D does that change how you approach the job? So I've always approached the job from a standpoint of how do I represent not only my district, but also do what's best for the city. But I do believe that serving at large gives me an opportunity to really have closer relationships with people all across the city. So as I think about broader policy, I can really bring all of those things together. Do you think that shorter term this past year um, sort of inhibited what you all were able to accomplish on city council? I do because we all understand that when it comes time for uh, campaign season and how that overlays with the budget season, you get elected and then it's time to start having conversations about the budget. And then before you know it, you're back in an election cycle. And this time it was even more compressed. And so because of how things tend to operate at the city and wanting to make sure that we're not mixing campaign things with uh, policy items and things of that nature, we had an even shorter time to really get policy work done. Yeah, it seemed like it was uh, really compressed into a very short amount of time that you all were given to actually tangibly get things done beyond the budget. Um, that said, um, you get sworn in to, to the new role uh, this upcoming week. Um, what would you say are your priorities as you start a new term? My priorities are generally the same as they have been for the last four years. It's housing, it's economic mobility, it's transportation. And when we think about how do we plan for a city that reflects our community's values, those are the four things that I think are most important. More than ever, we know that our city is at a at a bursting at the seams, I'll say it in that way. Um, but we have an opportunity now, a unique opportunity now that we've gone through the census, we've come out of COVID to really reach across the reach across the lines of our city limits to our regional partners and talk about how do we build the Charlotte Metro in a way that we can be proud of that's great for residents now and the future. Are you satisfied with the um, sort of uh, progress that you've made on some of these issues when it comes to like the 2040 plan, zoning, affordable housing? Uh, are you satisfied with, with some of the progress that council has made in the last few years? Absolutely. Man, we have had a tremendous four years, um, I will say unprecedented in terms of the things that we face um, as far as headwinds. But even in that, I was so grateful to be a part of leading the charge for Corridors of Opportunity. I was grateful for writing the framework for a Safe Charlotte plan. I was grateful for having a leading role in coming to a resolution on the path forward for Eastland. When I think about um, really advocating for uh, preserving the the poor neighborhoods a lot within our uh, corridors of opportunity and making sure that anti-displacement was a part of our uh, 2040 goals and ultimately our UDO with our neighborhood, care neighborhood character overlay and some of the other tools that we have. I think that we were able to get a lot accomplished. I even think about having hosted the uh, Republican National Convention, despite it not being necessarily what folks thought it was going to be, uh, we were able to get through that. We were able to um, approve uh, the uh, non-discrimination non ordinance. We were able to approve the source of income discrimination ordinance. There's been a ton of, I think, uh, monumental 
ordinances and policy work that we have been able to do despite incredible challenges. I want to ask you going forward, what's the, what are the new plans for the River District? There were plans for that $400 million tennis facility. Now it appears off the table. BMOC Capital announcing that the Western and Southern Open is now staying in Cincinnati. <laughs> what's going to happen with the River District? Well, we've got a, a, essentially a blank canvas in that space. What we learned from this, though we're very disappointed that we weren't able to get across the finish line with BMOC, is that there's absolutely an appetite for amateur sports and that there's absolutely an appetite to do something in the River District. Um, we are trying to gear up to prepare ourselves to be able to go to Raleigh and make sure that we've got the resources we need to invest in tourism here in Charlotte for the next few years and beyond. And so right now, we, we're looking forward to the opportunity of what we can do there. Uh, this past week, council, uh, outgoing council, uh, approved a new vendor, a new contractor to run CATS. Do you feel like that agency now has, has turned a corner after what's been a rough couple of years? Yeah, so I will say that Brent Cagle has done an amazing job in really combing in and digging into what's going on over at CATS. And it's a slow move. It's, it's something that we're going to have to build as we think about not just CATS, but our overall transit plan. Um, so we know there's more changes to come, but he's done a tremendous job so far. And I think that moving to a new supplier is the first major step in taking that direction. So I look forward to seeing what comes out of it. I think it's a win for the city. I think it's a win for workers. Um, and I look, I look forward to continuing that work. Um, I want to ask you about that, that transit plan, the red line. We've gotten some sort of uh, a new hope of that becoming a reality because of cooperation from Nor Norfolk Southern. Um, are, are you optimistic now that, that some of this, this plan that's been really held up for years now uh, can finally make some meaningful steps forward? Yeah, I am optimistic uh, because we see, like you said, that there are some changes in the, the economic dynamic and in our environment overall. I think now the question becomes, as we look to our neighbors in Huntersville, as we look to our neighbors in Davidson and surrounding, is given this benefit or this next step, what do we think are the right moves long term? We know that we've got this broader MTC conversation that has been started. So I really think that as folks come to the table now with a little more hope, feeling like, hey, maybe that we're going to be able to deliver on promises that were made long ago. I think we've got renewed interest and a renewed willingness to come together to come up with a new solution. I believe you were the biggest vote getter. Uh, do you mm -hmm. have interest in being mayor pro tem? Absolutely. I've got an interest in Mayor Pro Tem. I think that though we call it Mayor Pro Tem, I see the role as more of a council president role. And I think that there are some things about the way we work that can be improved. Um, part of my background is continuous improvement. Part of my background is Lean Six Sigma. So as I think about more effective and efficient processes so that we can really deliver new policy that's better and reflects our community, I think that that's a role that the Mayor Pro Tem can take. So I've offered myself to service and we'll see how it goes. Does it seem like you have a, a uh, support there in council? I definitely have a good bit of support in council, uh, but you know how these things tend to go. It's been a crazy campaign season, so we'll see how the uh, chips ultimately fall. But either way, I'm looking forward to being a leader on this council and fulfilling my promise to the people who elected me. Charlotte City Councilwoman at large now uh, coming up in the next day or two, Victoria Wallington. Congratulations on, on the new term and also the new promotion as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. I look forward to working with you and seeing you soon. All right. Sounds good. More Flashpoint after this. Connect the dots and let us clear up the confusion. We're here to make sure the news makes sense. And with Connect the Dots, you'll understand how the headlines impact your family. See the difference on WCNC Charlotte.
At WCNC Charlotte, we really want to make a difference. We have tools like Verify and Where's the Money to really listen to viewers and see what they're struggling with, whether that's trying to get money that you deserve or answering a question that's confusing you. We're not the experts, we're interviewing the experts. And that's why we wanna bring it to you so you can see the facts, how we check them and how we get the answer. When it comes to WCNC's Chief Meteorologist Brad Panovich, our viewers tell the whole story. Hey, if you're new to the area, this meteorologist is awesome. I always stick with Brad Panovich when it comes to severe weather. He's rarely wrong. You should follow Brad if you don't already. He's usually right on the money with his forecast. I don't look at anything else besides what Brad says. We are fortunate to have him here. Brad Panovich, experience the difference with WCNC Charlotte Weather. Wake up to the news that matters most with meteorologist and traffic reporter Chris Mulcahy. And we're all clear. We're keeping you smarter, safer, and on time. Start your day the Mulcahy way. See the difference. 430 to 7 on WCNC Charlotte. With your help, WCNC Charlotte is making a difference in our community. Beautiful day. So many people are helping. This is incredible. Let's spread that love tonight. Here is a $5,000 check that you guys can use to further the mission. There is nothing on earth like the feeling of giving back with your hands. $5,000 to you and uh, Block Love Charlotte for what you guys do. If you'd like to make a difference, go to WCNC.com slash make a difference now. Welcome back to Flashpoint. A landlord who billed NC State students $23,000 when they moved out, mostly because she didn't like their homemade beer pong table, could face discipline and legal action from the state of North Carolina. There are new investigations after WCNC Charlotte and WRAL News together recently exposed this landlord, a property owner with a history of holding on to renters' security deposits. Nate Morbido continues to ask, where's the money? Lisa Eustathio's reputation around NC State. Uh-huh, slammed the door on me. The charges were ridiculous. Dates back almost 15 years. Her behavior has been nothing but unethical. The landlord also rents out properties near UNC Greensboro. I was extremely distressed. But until recently, hardly anyone filed formal complaints against her with the state. The size of the complaints are really jaw-dropping. Attorney General Josh Stein says his office is now aware of several complaints alleging Eustathio inappropriately kept renters' security deposits and charged unreasonable fees. $18,000 bill for having a pong table. While her attorney told us due to the tenant's treatment of this particular house, they were not entitled to a refund of their security and damages deposits, Eustathio announced she has no present intention of collecting additional fees, something she reaffirmed in a formal response to the AG's office, adding if she mistakenly charged a renter, she will quickly make an appropriate adjustment. But that alone may not resolve this issue. We're hearing back from them their side of the story. As Stein's office continues its investigation, he tells us the attorney general has the authority to pursue restitution and civil penalties if deemed necessary. If we don't feel like that they are doing the right thing, we will not hesitate to go to court to force them to do the right thing. I always think that I've seen everything and then the next day comes and we see something different. The North Carolina Real Estate Commission is also investigating. 
aware of two dozen tenants who've experienced problems. It's a signal to us that maybe there's something more going on there and that we need to take a closer look. Janet Thorin is the commission's legal counsel and director of regulatory affairs. She tells us generally the commission can help renters recoup security deposit trust money in some cases. They may be able to recover that money if it was stolen. Thorin says investigations usually target unlicensed activity. In this case, Eustathio is a licensed real estate broker, meaning her license and reputation hang in the balance. So as a renter, how do you avoid ending up in this kind of situation? Well, there are no guarantees, but regulators recommend you research potential landlords. Ask around, check their ratings, pull a background check, look for any past discipline. In addition, carefully review leases so you know what you're agreeing to, what is and is not allowed. Finally, take pictures of everything when you move in and move out. That way you've documented every detail in the event there's a dispute. If there is a problem, file a complaint. The State Attorney General's Office and North Carolina Real Estate Commission are there to help advocate on your behalf. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte. More Flashpoint after this. Folks, come interact with us on social media. I'm on Instagram, X, formerly known as Twitter, Facebook as well. If there's something you want us to talk about on Flashpoint, because we talk about just about everything here, let us know. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. We'll see you back here next weekend.